Okay, so uh, my message this morning, as I said, uh, title God's Promises. The title of my message is Discovering God's Promises. And the reason I'm sharing this message is because it ties back to Jesus Conference. So at Jesus Conference, if you were here, one of the things that you remember Reverend George said is that as a child of God, your expectation must have a foundation in God, and that foundation should be biblical. That's why he said, he said, whatever you don't have a biblical basis for, you have no right to expect. So if you don't have a biblical basis for the things that you've just prayed about, for the things you've just asked for God for, you have no right to expect. And that really started to challenge me, it started to make me really question what exactly are the biblical basis for the things that I'm expecting from God? You know, where in the word is it? Can I actually point to that promise or that thing specifically in the Bible? And so I started to pray, but more so practically, I started to write down my own expectations. And then I started a mission of trying to discover where in the word was that promise or where in the word was the biblical basis for that expectations. And it was during my Bible study that God made me realize that his promises are revealed to us in two ways. And that is what I want to teach about today, that his promises can be revealed to us in two ways. And that is exactly what I want to teach about today. So this is about discovering God's promises. And the text for my message today is 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 to 4. 2 Peter 1 verse three to four, I'm gonna read the NIV. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse four says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. This was Simon Peter who was writing, and he was writing very simply about what God wants for us. If you've ever asked your, yourself the question, what does God want for me? The answer is very simple. He wants you to live a godly life. God wants us to live a godly life. That's what he has called us to do, and that's what separates us from unbelievers. It is a lifestyle that he has called us for. And that lifestyle is to glorify him, to honor him. So if you ask, what does living a godly life mean? That's not my message today. But simply to me, it is reverence for God and living a life of holiness, a life that glorifies God. Rabbi Richard, if I can call you that, was speaking this morning um, during Sunday school. And you mentioned, I don't know if you realize, that our life have to, has to glorify God. That is what he has called us for, for a life that is holy, for a life that is godly. In Psalms chapter 4, verse 3, it says, The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. So those who are godly, God has set apart for himself because the things and the way they live their life glorify him. And even more so in the scripture, the main text, Peter said everything we need for a godly life, God has already provided for us. We don't have to work for it. We can't give it to ourselves. We don't earn it. God has given it to us, everything we need. So the question is, how can we live a godly life? And again, in this scripture, Peter helps us to understand that God has given us the tools that we need, particularly two main tools that we need. One of that is his divine power. So to live a godly life, you need God's divine power. 
And the second is through our knowledge of him, him being God, through our knowledge of him, we are able to live a godly life. And he expanded on that. If you go into verse four, he said he's also given us great promises. God has given us great promises. You can't look at those scriptures, verse three and four separately. You have to look at them together because both are linked together. In verse four, Peter expands and he says, it is through those same tools. So it is through divine power and it is through our knowledge of him that God has given us very good and precious promises. If we read again, first Peter, uh, sorry, second Peter chapter one, verse four, it says through these and these were the things that he was referring back to. So in verse three, he said his divine power has given us what we need and he's through our knowledge of him. And then he said again, through these and these referencing those two things. So these being his divine power and our knowledge of him. So what does this mean? To me, what I took away from this is we can come to realize God's promises for us through his divine power and through our knowledge of him. So I want to look at both of those two things. And we're going to start with God's promises through his divine power. I don't want to define what power means because it's very simple. I think we all relatively know what power means. But what does it mean to be divine? What does divine actually mean? And it's amazing how everything in the world sometimes actually confirms the very nature of God. If you look at the dictionary and look at the meaning of divine as an adjective, it means of God. Simply, that is what it means, something to be of God. And biblically also, it means something that is proceeding directly from God. So divine power means power that is directly from God. So you have promises for the power that is directly from God. And when you look through scripture, you start to realize that when it talks about the power of God, it talks about the Holy Spirit. It talks about the Holy Spirit as the power of God, the Holy Spirit carrying the power of God. And it is that power, it is that spirit of God, that Holy Spirit that reveals the promises that God has in store for us. You know, in some instances, you can read the word, it's there, you can read about the promises of God. But what this confirmed for me is sometimes it's the Holy Spirit that actually reveals exactly that promise that God has in store for us. Ephesians chapter 3, 16, Paul was praying and he prayed that God will strengthen us with power through his spirit in your inner being. So the Holy Spirit carries that power. Again, in Acts chapter 1, just before Jesus was descending to heaven, he was talking to the disciples. And in, in verse 4, he was telling them that there is one coming after him. There is a gift that the Father has promised that is coming after him. And in verse 8, he said to them very specifically about this gift, that this gift that they will receive when the Holy Spirit comes to them. So there is a change. And as you read the word and you understand more, once upon a time, they had to go to, to prophets. And so to really hear from God, to hear the promises of God. But what Jesus was promising is that this time around, there is a spirit that is coming called the Holy Spirit that carries this power. And if you look at what Simon Peter was saying here, he says, it says this divine power through this divine power that we get to realize God's great promises for us, his great and his precious promises for our lives. Amen. Again, if you look in Acts 2, verse 2 to 4, Jesus had already prophesied that this power was coming through the Holy Spirit. And we saw it happen here. 
in 2 to 4 says, suddenly a sound like a, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So again, the Holy Spirit came on them in John 14, 26. It says, but the advocate, uh, the New King James Version says, the helper, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So everything that I was reading was confirming that there was something coming, the Holy Spirit, which is God's divine power in us, and that Holy Spirit will reveal to us, will teach us, as Peter was saying. It will teach us about God's great and precious promises. And it's when that Holy Spirit comes, because you know that it's carrying the divine power, you can trust the promises that is being revealed to you. You can trust the things that is said to you. In Micah 3, 8, it says, But as for me, I am filled with power with the Spirit of the Lord. How much confidence do we get? Let me pause. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will carry power. And many of us have experienced that. Many of us have shared testimonies that the Holy Spirit ministered to us. The Holy Spirit spoke to us in our quiet time. We fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So if you know that this very real thing that you can fellowship with that you know carries the power of God because you've read it and you've experienced it. How much more confidence do you have when the Holy Spirit reveals the promises of God to you? So that tells me that if we're not fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, sometimes we don't discover the great and precious promises that God has in store for us. If we're not spending time with the Holy Spirit, if we're not listening to the Holy Spirit, we don't key in at all to the Holy Spirit, we miss some of those great promises. If you remember what Reverend George said, he says, what you don't know, sometimes you don't acquire at all. If you don't know you're entitled to something, if you don't know you can benefit something, if you don't know that something is yours, then you'll never get to experience it because you don't know what you're missing. So if you're not speaking to the Holy Spirit, if you're not listening, sometimes you don't get to understand certain promises at all. And I like to believe that the word of God contains many promises, right? But I like to believe that the ones that the Holy Spirit revealed to us are the ones that are specific to us, the ones that are to guide us. So you can take the promises in the word, but what about the ones that are specific to you, to your circumstances? You can't pray very quickly, five, ten minutes, I'm done, rush off in your day. You have to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, respond. You lay down your excitation, God, I want this, I want that, I need you to do this, I need you to do that. But you haven't spent the time to hear what he has to say in return. Amen. Amen. I want us to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, it says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind can conceive, the great things he has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. This scripture is so important in the context of my message. It reaffirms everything that I've said, that there are certain things that God has in store for us, certain promises that God has planned for us. 
but it's the work of the Holy Spirit to search those things out and to reveal it to us. So it's reiterating the same thing that you have to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You have to speak to, you have to connect, you have to be able to separate what is your own mind and what is coming from the Spirit so that you can really discern, another uh, version says, the secret things of the Lord, the deep, precious thing, the precious promises that it is through the Holy Spirit that you will come to understand. If you read Ephesians 1, 17, it says it's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal God to us and to reveal the truth about God. So when the Holy Spirit is revealing those promises to you, you can trust that he hasn't come from your own mind. You can trust that it isn't your own imagination that's creating this. Then you can trust that it is coming from God because the Holy Spirit reveals the truth about God. Amen. So that's the first one, uh, which is God's promises through his divine power and his divine power for us is through the Holy Spirit. The second way to discover God's promises is through our knowledge of him, through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. God promises that if we stay in him, if we build our knowledge of him we can come to discover his promises in John chapter 1 verse 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God so if you're spending time in the word you're spending time knowing God you're spending time discovering his mind you're spending time discovering his promises for you so when Peter says that we'll come to know the great premises through the knowledge of God. He's talking about spending time in the word of God, reading the word of God, immensing yourself into the word of God. I used to uh, pray a lot uh, for strength to read the word. I used to pray, Lord, give me the strength to read the word. Lord, I really have the desire to know you more. I really want to grow in you, but I just don't find myself doing enough. God, give me strength. And like, so I wanted to, the passion and the desire was there, but I just wasn't doing it enough. It might happen like maybe twice a week, sometimes three times. And I, every time I prayed, it was just like, God, give me strength to read your word. God, give me strength to read your word. Um, I look back, and hindsight is a beautiful thing because you reflect. And I look back at those times, and I think, oh, how naive, Kufu. How naive were you praying for strength for something that you already have? You pray for strength for God to help you to read the word when he's giving you eyes, he's giving you speech. And there is a time to, that is laziness and procrastination. You praying for strength to read the word is actually laziness and procrastination because there are certain things that God has already given you the power to do. So don't waste his time asking for strength to read the words, just do it. That is what God said to me, simply, just read, stop wasting my time. In Proverbs 8, 17, it says, those who seek me, find me. If you're seeking God, if you truly have the desire for God, you will find him. It's not an excuse to say, oh, I need strength, Lord, I don't have enough time. If you truly desire God, you will find him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
So there's a, there's a little bit there that you have to understand that sometimes you seek him, but you just seek him out of like, oh, you know, I'm just doing it. Like, God, I really want you, but do you really? But if your heart is truly, truly there, if this is focused on God and that is all that it desires, or that is above all else, the first thing that it desires, your prayer point isn't God give me the strength. It is out of that desire, out of that burning passion that you will do it. Because if you think about a child that really wants something, if a child really wants something from you, Brother Richard, if Toby or Tom Tom came to you, really want something, and you tell them, go and lay your bed or go and do this, they will run, do it. They, they will do whatever they have to because they truly, truly, truly want it. God has already told us, my word, if you want to know me, Spend time in my word. The word is God. So if you truly desire me, you will spend time in the word. It is as simple as that. There is no complication in it. The more you, the more you read the Bible, the more you know of God and the more you start to discover his promises for you, for the Christian community as a whole, for the body of Christ. And I find that there's over 7,000 promises in the word of God, over 7,000. So this morning, I want to encourage us with a few. I can't tell you all 7,000. Hopefully, I'm going to challenge you to go away and discover more of those promises. But I'm going to share a few of them. Isaiah 43, verse 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, you shall not uh they shall not overflow you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. That is God promising to be with us and to protect us. So why do you worry? Why are you afraid? My dad, uh, we were speaking a few days ago, and he was saying to me, so I was in South Africa for the week, and he called me, and then he was like, where in the world are you now? And I'm like, I'm in South Africa. And he was just like, don't you ever fear getting on the plane? Like, I get on the plane two, three times a month. He's like, aren't you afraid sometimes? And I was like, well, plane is the safest mode of transport. In hindsight, what I should have said to him is, God is protecting me. Because that is the truth. If we truly believe the word of God, then we have to believe what it says here. And it says, when you pass through the waters, in my case, the sky, I will protect you. I will be with you. Amen. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. Deuteronomy 31, 8, it says, The Lord himself will go before you and will be with you. He will never leave nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. It says, that is a promise to never leave or to forsake you. I've had a lot of people make me promises in my lifetime, and they haven't always come true. But how much more, how comforting is it that God says he will never leave you or forsake you? That means regardless of what you do, regardless of how unfaithful you are, he will never leave or forsake you. He will still wake you up the next day. He will still get you to work. He will still provide food for you to eat. He will still allow you to breathe because he will never leave or forsake you. In Proverbs 3 verse 6, it says, In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. That is a promise. Now, it comes with a condition that says, if you submit to him in all your ways, he will make your path straight. Not if you submit to him in some of your ways, 
Because that means in some of your ways he'll make your path straight, but in others there's no guarantee. So you submit to him and he will make your path straight. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That is a, a promise of abundance. So when you start to go through the word, you start to see all of these things, that God's word is filled with promises. In Psalms 37 verse 4, God promises to give you your heart's desire. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Again, there is a condition, there is a caveat, is you are delighting yourself in the ways of the Lord. Jeremiah 29 verse 12, it says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God promises to listen to you. This scripture is very special for me because in my family, I always say I'm not heard. My mom is a person that you will speak to. Conversation will last approximately two minutes, and you ask her what you just said. She doesn't remember because her attention is somewhere else. And so growing up my entire life, I've always been like, you don't listen to me, you don't listen to me, you don't listen to me. Till now, till the conversation I had with her this very morning, she does not listen to me. I don't blame her, I've accepted that's how God created her. But God says, I will listen to you. I will listen to you. So rather than you saying, I need to go to a therapist, I'm not saying therapists are bad. Rather than you saying, I need to do this, oh God, I need to, God, give me someone who I can offload to. God is saying, come to me. I will listen to you. All you have to do is pray. All you have to do is speak to me and I will listen to you. Exodus 14 verse 14. It says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Don't worry about the battles that you can't fight for yourself. God will fight for you. All you have to do is be still. Being still means trust in him that he will do it. The last one I'll share is Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagle. They will not run and will not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God is promising to renew your strength. If you feel tired, if you feel weary, God will renew your strength. Can I just share Literally, as uh, Dickiness was taking um, offering, I said to Dr. John, I have the worst migraine and I feel like I'm going to faint. He was like, let me go get you water. He got me water. Thank you. And then he's like, actually, let's pray because you have to share the word regardless. <laughs> right. But we prayed for strength and I'm standing here in front of you. So God has given strength, not because I was fearful, but because his word has promised strength. Amen. And there's many more, there's many more things, there's many more promises, over 7,000 of them in the word of God, as I said. But did you notice that none of these promises are about cars, houses, new jobs, husbands, all of those things, none of these promises are that. And it's not that God can't do them or won't do them, he can surely do them. But again, back to Reverend George's message, our expectations must have a biblical basis the promises that come from God that come through his divine power and his uh, knowledge of him are to do one thing and are to help us to live a godly life they're not to help satisfy your body your flesh the desires of your skin 
that are all to live the life which God has called you for, which is to live a godly life. God knows you need strength to live a godly life. He knows you need someone to li- who is going to listen to you to live a godly life. So his promises are to help you live a godly life. That's why in 1 Peter 1.4, he says his very great and precious promises so that you may participate in the divine nature, so that you can participate in the nature of God, which is godly. The nature of God is divine. And for you to participate in that, you need to live a godly life. So his promises are to live a godly life. So in closing, you're asking, or you might be asking, which is what I did. If God has promised me all these things in his word, if the Holy Spirit has revealed these things to me, what should I do? You know, what should I do about this promise? I want to share four things and we'll close from there. The first is to wait on him. Uh, Isaiah 40, 31 that we read, it says, but those who wait on the Lord shall have their strength renewed. So wait on God. He has promised you, wait on him. If his word has promised it, if the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you, your job in that is to wait on him. Don't go searching and be like, okay, is it here, is it there? Wait on God. And the way you wait on God is you key in, you speak to him constantly saying, what, is, what do I need to do right now? You know, and God will direct you. The second thing is in Romans 12, verse 2. It says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and his perfect will. I really love how NIV put, um, sorry, New Living Translation puts it. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you. So the key thing is you have to test the spirit. You have to discern the spirit. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will for you. Sometimes you see things, you might feel, okay, this is God's promise for me. Well, you have to test the spirit where it's coming from to know that, okay, this is God speaking to me. This is what God intends for me. Because God may reveal someone else's promise to you. He might be using you as a vessel to get to that person. So test and check that that promise is for you. Amen. The third thing that you have to do is take captive thoughts of anything that is against the knowledge of God that has been revealed to you. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, it says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is so important because things will come to you, things will pop into your mind, that is contrary to the word of God because we're human, right? We are human. We live in this flesh. We're not of this world, but we live in this flesh. So sometimes God reveals something to you and the flesh starts to tell you other things. Your job is to take captive of those things. You have to cast it out. I am mastering this. I promise you. Like It's almost like a science experiment that I'm doing with myself. When things that I know that shouldn't pop to my mind, things that are not good, I literally, it's like catching something. I'm literally like, mm, got it. Like, move out. Like, it's it's a training that you have to do for the mind. It's not it's not a spiritual thing that's how like, oh, God help me get. No, like, move your mind away. Take captive of that thought. Push it aside. You have to be intentional to take captive of it. It's not gonna happen with you just being like, oh God, help me. Like, God will help you, but you. You have to fight it. He's giving you his power so that you can fight it. So that's why it's written in the word that you have to 
cast down every argument, everything that is not of God, that is seeking to distract you, that is seeking to take hold of your mind and just <clears throat> take hold of it. Amen. The last thing is you have to keep your mind on God. Isaiah 26, verse 3 to 4, it says, you will, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stays on you. You will keep him in perfect peace because, because uh, sorry, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind stays on you because he trusts in you. You keep your mind on God, you keep your focus on God because it reflects your trust in God. When you start to waver, when you start to get distracted by other things, or you start to question, is there another way? Could I do this another way? You know, God, is there another path that I could take to get me there quicker? It starts to reflect doubt. But when you keep your mind on him, you remind him of his promises. Because God is not a man that he should lie. No, he, wouldn't, he does not lie. That is one thing that we're sure of. So you can take his promises to him and say, God, this is what your word says. Or you can say, God, the Holy Spirit, your spirit has revealed this to me. So I'm bringing it back to your remembrance, that which you have promised, that great, that precious promise you have for me. Amen. So I have five prayer points for help. I'm looking at the time. We have five minutes. So I have five prayer points for help that I would really love for you to all join me in. It's all tied to discovering God's promises. And I'd like to ask you to rise on your feet and share these prayer points with me. You're praying for yourself. No one else is going to. So pray in the best way that, that suits you. The first thing you're going to pray is, God, help me to intentionally pursue godliness. The Bible says, or the, the scripture we read, 2 Peter 1 says, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. So you're going to pray, God, help me to intentionally pursue it. Because it's easy to miss, it's easy to get distracted by the things of this world. It's easy to get distracted by the things going on all around us as we seek to please ourselves as we seek things that are for our own gratification. So you're going to say, God, I know the reason you created me. I know what you have called me to do. I know what sets me apart from the unbeliever is the godly life you have called me for. So God, help me, Lord. Help me to seek. Help me to intentionally, Lord, to live a godly life. Lord, if there's anything in me, Lord, that is distracting, anything in me, Lord, that is that is just not helping me to focus, that is leading me in the wrong path, Lord, remove it, Lord, and help me, Lord, to intentionally pursue a godly life. Help me to intentionally pursue godliness. I said the first way to discover God's promises is through his divine power, and that divine power is the Holy Spirit. So you're going to say, Lord, Help me to hear from the Holy Spirit. Lord, speak to me through the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, reveal your promises to me through your Spirit, Lord. Your Spirit carries power. Let me experience that power, Lord. Let me experience you, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. Father, Lord, speak to me. Father, speak to me through your Spirit. to minister to every single person here. Heavenly Father, I invite your Holy Spirit to dwell within us, Lord. 
Lord, remove everything that is not of you, Lord, and help us to connect, Lord, to hear clearly from your Spirit. To hear clearly from your Spirit, mighty Father. Lord, your word has promised that you will send the gift, Lord, the gift that will reveal you, that will reveal your truth, Lord. Lord, help me to hear from the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to, to, to remove all distractions, to remove things that are going to distract me, to remove things that are polluting my mind, Lord. That means I can't hear the stillness, the stillness of the Holy Spirit, the quiet that you are saying quietly and nudgingly to me, Lord. Help me to focus on your spirit, Jesus. Help me, mighty Father. The second thing of discovery, or the second way of discovering God's promises is through his word. So you're going to say, Lord, help me to overcome procrastination. Help me to overcome laziness. If you know, like me, once upon a time, or that might be you right now, you're not spending enough time in the word. Say, Father, help me. Lord, help me to overcome laziness, Lord. Lord, give me the strength, Lord. Our fourth prayer point is you're going to say, God, help me to do my own part. I gave you the four things. The first is to wait, to discern, to take captive of thoughts and to focus on God. So you're going to say, Lord, help me to do my own part. Just as your word has instructed, Lord, just as your word has made very clearly what I need to do, Father, help me to do my own part. Father, help me to wait on you, Lord. Help me to trust you. Help me, mighty Father, Lord, to discern, mighty Father, Lord, to discern the things that are revealed to me, Lord, to discern the Spirit, mighty Father. Lord, help me to take captive of those thoughts, those things that come to mind that are not of you, Lord, that come to, that come to destroy the truth of your word, the truth that you have revealed to me. Father, help me to take captive of those things, Lord. And help me to focus on you, Jesus. Help me to focus, to put all my trust in you and to focus on you, mighty Father. For my mind to stay in you, Jesus. Not to seek for other form of confirmation, Lord, but to stay on you. And the last prayer point you're going to say, Father, release your divine power on me. Release your divine power on me. There are so many different types of power, but there is only one of God. Say, Father, reveal that divine power. Release it to me, Almighty Father. Reveal and release it unto me, Jesus. Mighty Father, we thank you. We glorify your name, Lord. We thank you for your presence that is here today, Lord. We thank you for your word, mighty Father, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask as you have taught us this morning, almighty Father, Lord, teach us, almighty Father, to do our own part. Lord, the things that we need to do, Lord, to discover more of your promises as it pertains to us, Father, Lord, teach us. Lord, let us not just be hearers, but let us be doers of your word, mighty Father. 
Let us be obedient to your word, mighty Father. Lord, your word says we should seek for holiness. Lord, help us, Lord. Lord, it is our desire to live the life that you you have called us to. Help us to live holy, mighty Father. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. Amen.